great stories from amazing people. Conversations from the Marsh at Podcast Alley. This is Sports and More with Dean Millard. You know, I got to tell you, one of the most amazing experiences, but uh, nerve-wracking experiences of my life, Grant played all the games, but Ron and I, uh, Ron Hextall and I, we rotated as backup every night. And so after uh, Valerie Kamensky scores one of the most amazing goals in game two of the finals to tie it up at 5-5, so we're going in overtime. We play the first overtime. We're going walking down the tunnel towards the dressing room for the second overtime for the intermission. And Wayne Gretzky pulls me aside and say, Hey, listen, Kelly, I want you to use that experience you had from the Easter Epic playing that long overtime. Talk to the guys, how to prepare for the second overtime period. And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> Wayne Gretzky is telling me to talk to the guys. And then I go in the room and then it really hits me. Gretz says something like, Hey guys, take a seat. I've asked Kelly to talk about how to prepare <laughs> a long overtime and I'm looking at Wayne and Messier and Bork and Lemieux and uh, you know coffee all these guys I'm thinking is this really happening so what did he say that was Kelly Rudy who is joining me on this episode uh, to talk about so many great things that was a moment during Canada Cup 87 Uh, that we will get to a little bit later welcome to sports and more episode 47 thank you so much for joining me good morning good afternoon a good evening depending on what time it is you are listening to this i'm just thankful that you've downloaded it and i really appreciate it almost anything goes on this show we always stay away from religion and pretty much always stay away from politics but anything else is up for grabs so today Kelly Rudy of Hockey Night in Canada, uh, also a longtime uh, NHL goaltender, played with the uh, New York Islanders. Uh, of course, he also played with the Los Angeles Kings and the San Jose Sharks, and as mentioned, uh, played in the Canada Cup. 271 victories uh, for Kelly Rudy, now of Hockey Night in Canada. So we're going to talk about the NHL return to play plan. This brings in so many more potential playoff upsets. The Battle of Alberta. Kelly is an analyst for Sportsnet on Flame Games during the week and then does Saturday nights on Hockey Night in Canada. He knows and he saw the Battle of Alberta up close. So we'll get his thoughts on what it potentially could be and his thoughts on the Flames-Jets first-round matchup as well. Uh, He was also a part of uh, one of my favorite hockey memories of all time, the Easter Epic in 1987 between the Islanders and the Capitals. So we'll touch a little bit on that, his experience in the Canada Cup. He played with uh, Gretzky at the Canada Cup and then with Gretzky again in L.A. And he actually just finished watching The Last Stand. And and one thing I thought of when I was watching The Last Stand is I got I to gotta talk with somebody who played with Wayne Gretzky to find out how he was a leader. I mean, if you watch The Last Stand, Michael Jordan, he leads by fear and intimidation. He belittles his teammates to try to motivate them. I just cannot see from the time I've spent around Wayne Gretzky and the people I've talked to who know him, him being like that. So I couldn't wait to, to talk to Kelly Rudy about that. So you hear those questions. Then the run in 1993 that they made to the Stanley Cup final, uh, an interesting story he has about mental health for him in that 93 final. 
Uh, then we're going to play a word association with a bunch of the guys he played with as goalie partners. And of course, we have to we have to ask about the bandana. So we'll get into all of that with Kelly Rudy in just a little bit. Uh, he's got some really, really uh, cool stuff to talk about. We'll have our, our ultimate franchise fantasy sports top three. And poll question, UFS, UFFS uh, sponsoring both of those. So we appreciate them big time. Uh, and if you're in uh, the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports Hockey League, you know that the top 12 teams, just like the NHL, qualify. Plus, they have the online uh, playoff going right now, and I'm in the final. I, I, You know, there's an opportunity for me to win both championships, so I'm really excited about that. So uh, they're the uh, presenting sponsors of our top three in our poll question. Uh, we will get to those uh, in a second, and our weekly tribute is on the way as well. This is a serious message. Peace and love. Peace and love. So uh, the NHL is returning. Um, I guess the the question for most people is, first and foremost, is this the right thing to do? And then you go one of two ways. Yes, okay, you're into the hub cities. No, you know, I don't want to. Uh, there are people that are saying, I do not want a hub city in my city. And then there are people that are saying, is this even worth it to cram in a Stanley Cup uh, the the news coming out today that training camps won't start until at least July 10th, and there's no guarantee that they will even start on July 10th. So, you know, this is going to be pushed back. You're, you've got a five-round series and then seven-game series possibly. So there is uh, there are a lot of people that are wondering, is this worth it? I'll admit, I am one of them. I am one of those people that is wondering, is this worth it? Listen, there's no doubt it's going to be exciting. The level is going to be so high. But you know what? The playoffs will also be good next year. I'll be watching it. I'll be enjoying it. I'm not going to sit there and say I'm not watching it. I'm, I'm just cautiously optimistic about it, I guess. I'm just, I'm very much concerned about um, rushing back too soon. And I'm not saying the NHL is doing that. It's just in my worries. And, you know, by, by nature, I do have... Uh, a, a little bit more anxiety than the next person probably, but it's just one of the things I do worry about. Again, it's going to be awesome. Um, the, the players are going to be rested and then they're going to have this training camp. But but what happens when that first player tests positive for COVID-19, if it happens? You know, are families okay with being quarantined for months or at least for the two teams uh, for months? And this is something that, you know, you might find funny, but is very serious. What are single guys going to be doing with no booty calls for a few months? Holy shnikes. I mean, honestly, it's a question that I asked on uh, Twitter. This is a serious message. Like what happens? You know, do they bring their friends with benefits or, you know, guys with a girlfriend bring the girlfriend, right? Guy with a wife brings the wife maybe or, or not. What do the single guys do? We'll get into some of the matchup stuffs a little bit later on in the show. Uh, Leon Drysaddle wins the Art Ross. Should have a pretty good shot at the Hart Trophy, uh, which is hopefully going to slow the Austin Matthews train a little bit. I think Austin Matthews is a really good hockey player. I don't think he's at the level of Leon Drysaddle. If Drysaddle is the best player this year, and he very well could be winning the Hart Trophy, he's beating out the best player in the game to do it. How can Matthews, who isn't going to be nominated for the heart and didn't win the Rock of Richard, be better than Drysaddle? Like, the numbers don't show it. 
Dreisaitl, 50-goal season, 47 or 43 this year. Matthews might have broke 50. You know, 47 is still pretty good, but he has to consistently do it. And I have no doubt that he will. But right now, Leon Dreisaitl is the better hockey player. And the complete player stuff is insulting to Dreisaitl. Yeah, he makes some bad, bad long uh, cross-ice passes sometimes, but the guy is going to get better and better at face-offs. He's big and strong. He's going to start using his size. He's going to become a complete player, uh, a better complete player. So, um, you know, first it was goal scoring. Well, then Dreisaitl scored 50, and now it's a complete player. So I, I'm not saying Austin Matthews isn't a good player. He's a great player. He scored 47 goals this year, but he's not as good as Leon Dreisaitl. And, and I think that's just a, a silly thing to keep doing. Like, first, if it was McDavid, he's not even as good as Dreisaitl, in my opinion. He could be at one point. He could end up being better than Dreisaitl. But right now, I don't think it is even close. I also think what's going on with Major League Baseball is uh, silly, and it's greedy. Um, the players already agreed to a pay cut. And now the owners want them to take another? Am I hot? Yeah, I'm hot. That's a crock of crap. That does not make any sense. Thank you, Grutter. Only baseball could have a labor fight after a pandemic. <laughs> it is just stupid. It is absolutely stupid. And I, I listen millionaires fighting with billionaires while so many people have either died or lost their livelihood or their business went under like this is just ridiculous and i blame the billionaires i blame the owners they cut a deal with the players already in march now they're walking that back am i hot yeah i'm hot that's a crock of crap exactly so i don't know it just it boggles my mind how the owners could be this greedy. 29 out of 30 teams made money. 29 out of 30 teams are worth a billion dollars. Dynamite! Holy shnikes. A billion dollars. So there it is. That's a few things uh, making news. I'm going to wrap this a little bit with uh, some positive news. That's a weekly tribute that I've uh, started, and this one is for frontline workers. Anyone who has worked through this COVID-19 is a frontline worker, in my opinion, but especially those in the medical field and those who have been called back into the medical field. Let's, let's not forget about those people that have left their families and quarantined themselves to go and help people, but also people in convenience stores, liquor stores, cannabis stores, takeout restaurants, grocery stores. Big shout out to Martin at Sobeys in St. Albert. Always friendly, always helpful. So to all of you who have kept us going through this pandemic, a, a big tribute this week to you. All right, so we're going to get into our uh, top three presented by Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? <laughs> fantasy Sports, uh, Cyrus would be a great fantasy player uh, from the Warriors. Fantasy sports are awesome, and with the Ultimate uh, Franchise Fantasy Sports League, it's even better. More realistic than anything out there. There are only 31 teams available, and there are only about, there's less than 10 teams left in this league. It's meaning only one team will have Connor McDavid. Only one team gets McDa uh, Dry uh, Crosby. Only one owner. I'm not saying the same team can't have both, but 
There are not multiple leagues. This is it. So that's what makes it so unique. Uh, you got daily roster moves, of course. Unique playoff format. This fantasy league doesn't end when the regular season ends. It continues into the playoffs, just like the NHL. It is mimicking what's going on in the NHL, and it is so amazing. Digital assets. They're not just players. They're digital assets. These guys are people that you can trade, uh, sell, things like that. And they have such a unique scouting program that is coming out very shortly. So if you want to get in on this as an owner, as mentioned, only a few teams left. Head to airauctioneer.com slash UFF sports dash NHL dash fantasy dash franchise dash auction www.airauctioneer.com slash UFF sports dash NHL dash fantasy dash franchise dash auction. Open your free account, make your bid. If you are outbid, you will be notified. And in this format, you own the game. So get in the game. Our top three today, athletes you would like to see in the match three. Not sure if you watch Tiger, Phil, Brady, Peyton. Um, I was entertained uh, more for the most part, but it could have been so much better. First of all, uh, they had technical issues, and I'm sure that was because of the weather. That's to be expected. Um, secondly, it took the guys a while to warm up. That's to be expected, too. Um, so I, you, when you're thinking about this, you have to think, okay, is the guy, first of all, a good golfer or girl, a good golfer? Secondly, do they have the personality uh, to be able to give it back? So... I went with my honorable mention is Bill Murray. He's played an athlete in a lot of things, Space Jam. Uh, he was uh, had uh, dreams of Augusta in Caddyshack. Uh, so that's my honorable mention because he obviously has the personality and uh, plays in a lot of pro-am, so it's got to be decent. Number three for me is Bryce Harper. The guy has uh, swagger, and he's worked on his game a lot. Two, Steph Curry. Also has worked on his game, and you know this guy can chirp, and he can go back and forth, and he has some confidence. And after watching the last um, last dance, I got to throw Jordan in there. The guy obviously uh, can can go back and forth. He loves gambling, and he loves golf. So I would love to see that. I was looking at hockey players, but I just don't know if a hockey player is going to come in there and show off that personality. I don't know any of them that can get Maybe I was looking at, but I know Bryce Harper, Steph Curry and Jordan would all get involved with the, whoever the golfers are. So that's what I'm going with. Uh, hit me up on uh, Twitter at duck Millard and uh, let me know your choices when it comes uh, to this particular question. Who are the top three athletes you would like to see? In the match three, Oil City Dynasty, nice one, says Matthew Kachuk, Zach Cassie, and Drew Doughty. Uh, that's pretty good. Wayne Gretzky, Ryan Getzlaff, Josh Donaldson from Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports, and Jordan, Tony Romo, Brett Favre from Michael Sissons, just a few of them uh, that have been uh, coming in. Uh, I absolutely Love that stuff. You can get more details at www.uffsports.com and we'll have the uh, poll question after the interview with Kelly Rudy. At Podcast Alley, you can check out one-timers with Kelly Rudy. That'll be out in, uh, I'm going to think that'll probably come out tomorrow. Uh, Brent Parker, his family owned the Calgary Cannons. He joined me and Jordan Blendell on the Prospects Baseball Show. We also played Pepper. 
tough news about the prospects. Uh, no season this year, but not entirely unexpected. And Grant Sanderson, who is uh, the VP of Operations for Nova Cannabis, uh, joined me on the Cannabis 101 podcast. You can find all of that information at podcastalley.ca. All right, before we get to Kelly Rudy, let's find a little bit about him in the bio. Time for the bio. Kelly Rudy was born and raised in Edmonton, Alberta, and left to play junior hockey in Medicinat at the age of 17. Three years with the Tigers saw him drafted by the New York Islanders in the second round of the 1980 draft. He spent parts of three seasons with the Indianapolis Checkers before being called up to the NHL for good. He won 106 games with the Islanders in six seasons before being traded to the LA Kings in the middle of Gretzky mania. Rudy helped the Kings to the Stanley Cup final in 1993. Every opponent was a Canadian team. After winning Game 1 at the Forum in Montreal in the final, the Kings would lose four straight to the Canadians. Rudy finished his NHL career as a member of the San Jose Sharks in 1998. Today, he's an analyst on Rogers Sportsnet for Calgary Flames games and is a regular on Saturday nights with Hockey Night in Canada. Kelly and his wife Donna have three daughters and call Calgary home. Kelly, it is great to chat with you, especially with the fact that we actually have some concrete news about what is happening. Uh, what's your thoughts, I guess, first of all, on the decision to return to play by the NHL and the format that they're using? Well, I'm super excited. I have to admit, when, when I was watching the commissioner on Tuesday, I didn't realize uh, or suspect that I'd be that excited uh, during the press conference and uh, afterwards. I, the I was uh, bouncing around the house after that because of uh, the excitement I was feeling about going back to work and uh, possibly the presentation of the Stanley Cup this year, um, just for a lot of different reasons. I think it's going to be healthy, not only for all of us in the industry, but also for the fans, because uh, I think everybody realizes that sports is such a great distraction from what's going on in the, in the world around us right now. I've always wanted the NHL to adopt a play-in game. Um, I wasn't sure I really wanted them to adopt play-in rounds, but this is a, a strange time and we have to adapt. And the one thing I'm going to say is it's going to be as exciting as possible. Guys are rested, they're hungry, and now teams that didn't think they had a chance have a chance. What about upsets? We're always talking about upsets in the first round. This brings so many more potential upsets into the play, doesn't it? which adds more drama, which we all love, right? So I think uh, this year, although it's unique, um, you know, I'm really uh, into this format. And by the way, Dean, you know, certain people saying that it's going to jeopardize the uh, or play with the integrity of the game, I beg to differ. First of all, I, I find the, the part about the upset's going to be fantastic to watch. But when people were talking about the, the lack of integrity because some of the series might be a five-game series, what most people don't remember, or if they weren't around, for five years in the 70s, they played a best of three. So, you know, don't give me any of that stuff that just because it's not a best of seven that it lacks integrity. That, you know, the history of the NHL proves that to be wrong. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, 
things expand and sometimes you have to contract to, to, to adapt and go down in a best of five. And then it sounds like the rest is going to be a best of seven. But you're right. At one point, uh, they weren't all best of sevens. Uh, the one best of five that we're getting is an old Smythe division battle, Jets and, and Flames. And maybe we'll get a battle of Alberta at some point. I mean, that's what we were all craving going into it. And, and you're a guy that gets to watch that firsthand. Um, you know, what did you think of the, the resurgent battle of Alberta this year and a possible playoff matchup? Well, based on, let's just say all the players, when they do come back, that they're performing at uh, the level or close to it that when the league was put on pause, if that's to be true or accurate, then, then it's going to be a heck of a series because I, I think both teams are very, very similar. You know, you look at the Jets and how they're decimated on the back end, not only with the trades, the injuries, Buckland situation, but how they were able to get uh, a Vesna-type uh, performance out of Hellebuck, uh, Shifley, always terrific. Wheeler having a terrible start, then getting back on track, playing like he normally can. I think the uh, pressure of the captaincy had been wearing on him for a while. He was able to get past that and accept it. Um, but they had so much adversity and, and very much like the Calgary Flames. As you mentioned, I cover them on an almost daily basis. And sometimes they go on a great role and other times I couldn't figure out the team and I couldn't figure out why they were so bad. And But then as I guess around January or February started to roll around, all of a sudden they started to figure it out. You know, I'm on record in saying in late January that this might be a great year for the Flames because last year, uh, they had no adversity whatsoever, and then when they came up against it versus the uh, Colorado Avalanche in the first round, they were terrible and they just caved. Um, so for those reasons, I'm really looking forward to this matchup. Now, unfortunately, one really good team is going to be eliminated, but nonetheless, it'll be a great series. And 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 what did you enjoy about uh, that uh, the Battle of Alberta again this year? And uh, you know, like it got feisty, and then it lived up to it. You've you've played in enough games to know that a lot of times the rematch doesn't live up to the hype, but it just seemed like it got to another level each time. And and I can only imagine what a possible seven game series would be like of that level of hockey. You know what? One of the things that really grabbed uh, all of our attention in that series starting going back to last year, there's hatred again. So for many years, uh, that, that uh, you know, the, the Battle of Alberta, it just, it was too nice. You know, there wasn't a lot on the line for both teams often enough, but it was just that it was just bland. It was the same as any other game. And so it was really cool to hear. I had some discussions with some general managers uh, about the Battle of Alberta this year and even going back to last and. They were talking about uh, that being the best games uh, to watch and, and better, more fun than watching some of their own team's games. So that tells you the excitement level around that uh, battles of, of Alberta again. And, oh, my gosh, can you imagine with a playoff uh, berth on the line? And, uh, you know, that will just be at a different level. It, it might go back to the hatred and the level of uh, hockey that we saw back in the 80s when those two teams really, truly hated each other well and that's a good word because it it, it really does seem in this day of uh social media and, and and everybody promoting together that that hatred has almost disappeared a little bit in the game i mean you played in a game when that hatred level was high like who are some of the teams that you just couldn't stand some of the guys you couldn't stand playing against well for us when we were playing uh 
uh, on the island, for sure the New York Rangers, Philadelphia Flyers. We had a little bit of it, even though uh, with Washington, even though we played them often, but there was just a different level of hatred and uh, animosity between the Rangers and the Flyers and our team. And then moving to uh, Los Angeles, Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, um, those I think were the three that we really had some great games against, some unbelievable battles. And, you know, it is a different athlete, and I'm not suggesting in any way, shape, or form that they have to be like it was in the 80s, but they're, they're just a kinder athlete. I mean, when you when I mentioned the word hate, I, I played every game with hate in my heart. I hated every guy, even though I might, may have played junior with them or I've known them from uh, long, long ago. But once the game ended, then I was perfectly fine and perfectly normal again. But I couldn't play a game unless I truly hated the opposition. But it's not that way anymore, and that's okay. Well, uh, you, you mentioned the 80s, and that's what I want to ask you about right now, specifically uh, two days uh, in the 80s. I think you might know where I'm going, April 19th and 18th, 87. Um, I was in my basement in Brandon, Manitoba, glued to the TV for this game. It is uh, an image that I'll never forget, that uh, the winning goal, I felt so bad uh, for Bob Mason. But what flashes in your mind when you think about that game? Oh, boy, Gene, I have to go back. So we were down in that series 3-1. I think everybody wrote us off for, for good reason. Washington was playing really, really well. We were as well in the series, but we were uh, so beaten up. So in the final game, uh, we were without Dennis Potvin, Mike Bossy, Brent Sutter, and Brent was a really good player for us too, by the way. He was coming into his prime. And Brian Trotche was playing with a separated left shoulder. So naturally, you'd think going into that game seven, we have no chance. But we hung in there. Uh, I think it's safe to say, and I have watched it recently on YouTube, um, we were, I'd say, badly outplayed for most of regulation. Uh, but it was in overtime when uh, Bob Mason really took over. We, I thought we started to really come on and dominated the Capitals. And uh, Bob made some in incredible saves. I remember some one on uh, Bob Bass and uh, on Dwayne Sutter. Um, Randy Wood hit the post. And other, Miko Mackla had a great chance. And all of a sudden, when Pat LaFontaine scored the game-winning goal, my immediate reaction was disbelief because I didn't want to let my guard down in case, I don't know what, maybe goalie interference or I, I, I had no idea. I just didn't want to get... Uh, too excited and too high and so I bet I stood in my uh, goal crease for about two seconds maybe a little bit longer before I finally realized that yes it's a legal goal and I put my arms up and Randy Wood one of our defensemen number eight came racing down to hug me and we both fell down in a heap on the ice because we were so darn tired. Well, you were uh, pretty brilliant in that game. That second overtime, I think you made almost 20 saves. And I, I grew up playing goal, uh, so I know uh, what goal pads were like in the 80s. How heavy were your goal oh. pads during that game? Well, crazy, right? And, you know, the other thing is I wore extremely tight skates, similar to what Paul Coffey wore, and I just felt that I could skate better and uh, my edges, I, I understood better and used better. But uh, so I was so dehydrated, as you can imagine. The game started at 7.30. It ends at four minutes to two in the morning. And uh, by the time we do the handshake, by the time we do some uh, media and so on, 
I get into the dressing room. I'm going to suspect it's around 2.15-ish ballpark. And I'm taking my gear off. I take my pads off, go to undo my skates, get them, get them off my feet. And I was so dehydrated, immediately my toes curled under. Oh. So what did I do, Dean? What did I do wisely? I had two cold beers back in the days when they had cold beers. And so I never had two beers go to my head so quickly, but it was a great feeling. I've got to tell you. Oh yeah. I can't imagine the, the feeling of, uh, you know, relief and, um, you know, victory that comes from that. And, and also later that year is, uh, you know, one of my most favorite hockey moments, Canada cup 87 that you were a part of. And we just got to see that recently, uh, with them airing it again. And it was so cool to see that. I just want to ask you a couple of things like training camp. What do you remember about training camp? Because the guys that weren't on that team are some superstars as it happens every year. Was it a pretty competitive training camp? Oh yeah. And I'll tell you what, the first day we show up in Montreal, we have the uh, medicals. Uh, I believe the night before our first ice session, Mike Keenan is the head coach. And uh, my gosh, I've never had a fir- harder first practice. Keenan, he killed us, and that was his intent to send the message. This is what it's going to be like. And uh, but it, oh my gosh, I can't believe how long training camp was. I think Dean, it was something close to a month. Uh, we crisscrossed the, uh, the the entire nation. We had uh, pre-tournament games out in Atlantic Canada. We ended up finishing off training camp in Banff before our first game against the. Uh, uh, Czechoslovakia, remember that's 87. It yeah. still wasn't the Czech Republic yeah. in Calgary. We had that game. Um, it was just a phenomenal experience. But, you know, I got to tell you, one of the most amazing experience, but uh, nerve-wracking experiences of my life, Grant played all the games, but Ron and I, uh, Ron Hextall and I, we rotated as backup every night. And so after uh, Valerie Kamensky scores one of the most amazing goals in game two of the finals to tie it up at 5-5. So we're going in overtime. We play the first overtime. We're going walking down the tunnel towards the dressing room for the second overtime for the intermission. And Wayne Gretzky pulls me aside and says, hey, listen, Kelly, I want you to use that experience you had from the Easter Epic playing that long overtime. Talk to the guys how to prepare for the second overtime period. And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> Wayne Gretzky is telling me to talk to the guys. And then I go in the room and then it really hits me. Gretz says something like, hey, guys, take a seat. I've asked Kelly to talk about how to prepare for a long overtime. And I'm looking at Wayne and Messier and Bork and Lemieux and, uh, you know, coffee, all these guys. I'm thinking, is this really happening? So I, I remember, Dean, what I, I said to him, I said, so here's my experience, guys. Um, it's the first two minutes or the last two minutes of every overtime when most likely the goals are going to be scored simply because uh, the first two minutes, you're not ready. You're not focused again. Um, and then the last two, because you're starting to lose your focus, you think that another, there's another intermission and then another overtime period come. Now, I have been statistically proven to be uh, not accurate by Chris Snow, the assistant general manager of the Flames, that it's actually the first three minutes and the last three minutes, but still, I think I was pretty darn close. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, the thing that stands out, and I, and I didn't realize this uh, when I had watched it before until I just watched it again, is that Mike Keenan is the coach. His nickname at one point was Dr. Hook. He had the Conn Smythe winner from his own team on the bench in Ron Hextall. 
The team is down 3 nothing early in that game three, and it, I, I don't think it ever entered his mind to pull Grant Fuhrer and go with with Ron Hextall, who was his actual guy. It was just like Grant Fuhrer is going to get this out. And maybe there was some Gretzky influence there too, saying, no, wait, don't worry, Grant's going to hold us in here. Did you ever think that Grant was going to get pulled in that situation? You're always wondering, but I, I will say this. The one thing that all of us recognize, and I'm sure Keenan did one of the factors, that Listen, when Grant played for the Edmonton Oilers in those days, it wasn't unusual for them to fall behind 2 nothing or 3 nothing or 4-1 and, and find a way to come back. So he was pretty comfortable in uh, playing in those games where he is behind and, and knowing he had to make a big save later in the game. And, you know, that was the uniqueness of Grant because uh, he could let in four or five and maybe even a couple questionable goals. But, you know, when it's 5-5 five, five and... 37 seconds left in the third period is able to make a great save. He had that sort of mind for the game. And so I think Keenan factored that into it as well. You had the chance in your career to play with some of the greatest players. One of them was Mike Bossy. And the amount of hockey that that guy played, five straight cup finals, two Canada Cups from 1980 to 85. No wonder uh, he retired. But nine straight 50-goal seasons, what made him such a pure goal scorer from your vantage point? Well, if he hears this, I hope he takes this as a compliment because I've always said this about Bossy, and I, I use this term when I'm talking about other players. Uh, he was selfish, and that that's in a good way. Right. And I, I sometimes they should have been more selfish in that moment. Like when Bossy had a chance, he ripped that puck as hard as he could. Now he says that most of the time he was shooting five hole, but he was far more. Uh, dangerous than that and I, I can think of in the Stanley Cup finals versus Vancouver when he intercepted that Harold Snap pass uh, with I don't know seconds to go uh, in the first overtime I believe and he ripped that shot high glove side over uh, Richard, uh, Richard Brodeur um, I mean that was that was the accuracy that he had but Boss was an incredible guy you know he retired because of a, a lower back injury it's shameful really that mm-hmm. Uh, medicine wasn't where it was uh, in today's game because he could have played another, well, I believe he was only 29 or 30 when he retired. He could have played an easy five or six more years and done damage to the record books because, as you said, the numbers are outstanding. Yeah, such a such a shame. So um, you end up getting to, uh, traded to L.A., and then you're playing with the, the greatest of all time, and you did that in uh, the Canada Cup as well, and, you know, Mario's there and so many great players, but... You go to L.A. and right in the middle of Gretzky mania, and then you guys go on this cup run in 93, and I'm really glad that you just watched The Last Dance because I want to ask you, Michael Jordan, I don't know how you feel, but to me when I watched The Last Dance, he seemed to lead by fear and intimidation, and he really got after his players. Like, How was Wayne Gretzky in that regard? Did you ever see him belittle a teammate to motivate them? Well, I hesitate because I guess if I'm hesitating, then the answer is no. Um, but listen, you know, when you're playing with a guy of Wayne's, uh, you know, status and the magnitude of his stardom, I don't know if he needed to say anything. You know, there, there. You know, Wayne doesn't like conflict. Clearly, Michael Jordan has no problem with conflict, yeah. but Wayne didn't like it. But you knew as a player when Wayne was annoyed at you, and and that was very intimidating, right? Like. Um, he was quiet about it, but, but I'll, you know, there was an interesting time I had, I believe in 91, 
we had a young player, again, from uh, Czechoslovakia. His left-hand shooting defense and highly skilled. His name was Peter Frazler. And, uh, but Peter, nobody likes to get hit, but Peter more so than most guys. Whenever it appeared that he'd get hit, uh, he would throw the puck away. And always, it seemed, in our own zone. And we're playing uh, somebody at home. I think it's New York Rangers with about 10 minutes to go. It's a tie game. And uh, it, it appears as though one of the Rangers on the forecheck is going to hit here. So he throws the puck away. It's intercepted. The Rangers score the game-winning goal with about 10 minutes to go. And I'm furious at the end of the game. And typically, Dean, at the end of a game, if we lost, there was one guy that took the brunt of my uh, anger, and that was me. But in this case, it happened to be poor Peter Frazler. And so uh, Wayne and I were always quick to undress. And so we're in the shower. And I'm throwing shampoo bottles all over. I'm throwing soap. I'm swearing. I'm saying a million terrible, terrible things about Peter. And uh, finally, nobody else is coming in the shower, by the way. They hear me ranting and raving like a lunatic. And uh, finally, my tantrum ends after I don't know how many minutes, three minutes, five minutes, whatever. And Wayne stays in the shower the entire time. Then when I'm done, he, he finally looks at me and goes, Kelly, let everybody earn a living. If he's not good enough, they'll find somebody else. And I thought, oh, my gosh, what grace. And so that would have been, I guess, the opposite of Michael Jordan. Yet there was an underlying element that, you know, Wayne was just as competitive. He showed it in a different way. But uh, it was a really cool experience to be around that guy. Yeah, that is such an amazing story. And, you know, you look at that 1993 season, and it's no coincidence. Gretzky gets healthy. You guys go on this incredible run to the finals um do you have a a fond memory that sticks out more than than ever because that that run was just uh, incredible like I, I, every team you played against was a canadian team yeah well i do have plenty of fond memories but since you mentioned wayne's health and since in today's uh world where we talk a lot about mental health and uh, so wayne had a, a physical injury he had a, a spine issue a neck issue um, of which uh, we got a, a real break because when training camp rolled around, we were told he was going to be out. And in fact, we were told that it may be the end of his career. So we were lucky he was able to get the help he needed. Dr. Watkins, I believe, from uh, in Los Angeles was a surgeon. But in terms of mental health, I was off the rails. Like I, I, I have an idea what was going on in my brain, but it was uh, I was on a loop. And the loop was telling me a whole bunch of really, really bad things. And my career was coming to an end and I couldn't continue to play at that level. And finally, uh, Barry Melrose, our coach, reached out to Tony Robbins. And uh, then uh, they worked uh, some, I worked some one-on-one -on -one sessions with Tony and, and uh, Barry asked to sit in because he wanted to understand what his starting goalie was going through. But my, my mental health was not in a good place. And uh, because of the work that I did with Tony and Barry, I was able to uh, get out of that ditch. And not only that, but I was able to resurrect my career, uh, go to the finals that year and play another five years. So whenever I see Dick Barry or talk to him, I always uh, relay the story. I'm forever indebted to that man. Wow, that is incredible. And, you know, um, you know, I and, and me and my family and your family are on this journey uh, with mental health, yep. like millions of other people. Do you think we are yep. winning the battle when it comes to stigma? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I've watched a big, big change. When Caitlin came out in 2013 in a big, big way, uh, she, she did an article with the 
Canadian Press uh, and uh, also the National Post. And both uh, newspapers and articles were beautiful in their own way. They both captured Caitlin's spirit in uh, different ways, but both beautifully. But uh, I look at how grown men can now talk about it. Uh, everybody's trying to become a little bit stronger because we feel that we have a voice now. Uh, there's no shame. We're trying to break down that stigma. Um, it's going to be a long road still, but I've just I've noticed the path that we've taken and and how much more we hear about it daily. You know, I'm sure people come up to you and talk to you about it, Dean. I, I can tell you um, that, well, maybe not now in the pandemic, but every single day uh, I would get either a text message, a phone call, an email, or I'd be in my local coffee shop and people would stop me and tell me their story. And, you know, I, it's just heartwarming to me to hear people when they're willing to share their story. Now, by the way, I want to make this very clear. If, if you're somebody and you're going through something and you don't feel like you can share your story, there's no pressure. Don't. It's a very personal right. journey and, and there's no pressure to do it. But just do, do yourself a favor. This is coming from my heart. Talk to somebody. Don't suffer alone because that's a lonely place to be. But if you, you can share, great. If you can't, that's great as well. But, but uh, we, we've done such great work in this field. And I'm so proud to say that uh, our family's uh, a part of it. You can even just write it down on a piece of paper. You never have to send it to anybody and just get it. And that's a start of starting to to, to work it out. So I think that's a great point. You don't have to, uh, but it is such a freeing thing when you do. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing is if, if you're around somebody, especially in these times, because, you know, what everybody's going through is so stressful. And even if you didn't experience any uh, mental health issues before, this pandemic could have changed something. Uh, our oldest daughter uh, never experienced any mental health issues until the pandemic, and then uh, the world got the best of her, and so we've had to do uh, get her some help and make sure following up because she's a young mom. She's afraid of what's happening around the world with her and her son and her husband had to take a, uh, a pay cut like a lot of people and, and or people lost their jobs, so financial, financially people are hurting. So... This is a really important time to reach out and to look out for others. Um, look in their eyes. I, I mean, uh, you know this, Dean. When you look in somebody's eyes, they, that tells you a lot about where they are mm -hmm. um, mentally. And uh, ask the question, are you okay? And uh, maybe it will lead to a conversation that might help them. Mm -hmm. Checking in with friends and, and family is so important. I want to just wrap quickly yep. with a quick word association. Then I have to ask about the bandana. My wife said I have to definitely ask about uh, the bandana. <laughs> but a quick word association. Uh, these goalies that you played with. One word for each guy. Roly Melanson. Uh, hard worker. Billy Smith. Uh, evil. <laughs> 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 uh mario goslin oh beautiful man i loved his hockey cards by the way i, I was such a big hockey oh, card guy yes daniel berthume underrated rick knickel a great story yeah. wow yeah, uh, uh, you know, Brandon Wheat King, proud guy right there for Rick Knickel. Um, yeah. Grant Fuhr. Uh, misunderstood. Good one. And Mike Vernon. Uh, the best. All right. Finally, the bandana, when and why? 
I was playing for the Islanders. I always had long hair. I wore contacts, and the contacts back then weren't to, to the level they are now. They're so much better, and uh, they were really thick, it seemed, back then. And so when the sweat would go in my eyes, it, would, it was really bothersome. So I kept trying all these different headbands, and nothing was uh, uh, to the level I thought I needed for absorbency. And so finally one day before practice, I just ripped up the T-shirt that we wore under our gear. You know, remember those? That yeah. blue, uh, those blue pajamas, we called it the underwear. Yeah. So I ripped up my yeah. T-shirt, threw it around, tied it around my head, and all of a sudden for practice, I'm thinking, you know what, this kind of works. And so I stuck with it. I had no idea that that thing was going to become my so-called trademark. And, and near the latter part of my career, I hated it because I thought it was kind of like a, you know, a, a joke on me. But people convinced me to wear it till my... Uh, so I retired, but I'm glad that uh, I, I finally did because it, it kind of did turn out to be a cool little thing. Mm-hmm. If people do remember the blue bandana, yeah. Did you ever get a bandana deal? Like that's an that you should have been an endorser for a banana a bandana company. Well, I should have been, but you know what's really stupid, Dean? As I mentioned, I hated it at the end, right? So, yeah. and I had I had tons of them. I don't know how many I had, but I might add, I don't know, fifty of them. And the day I retired, I remember going into my hockey bag in my garage, grab, grabbing that uh, bag of uh, underwear, reaching in, finding all my bandanas and throwing them in the garbage, which oh. was so stupid. I could have made some money off those stupid things years later, and, and I had no idea. Oh, the mistakes we make uh, when we're younger. Kelly, this has been yes. awesome. Thank you so much for giving me some time. Uh, I can't wait to see you back talking about uh, live hockey again uh, and and we can hand out a Stanley Cup this year. Thank you so much. I appreciate the invite, Dean. This was awfully fun, bud. She told me to stay She said it didn't feel right I said don't worry, babe. Sailed out of sight. This is the Sports and More podcast with Dean Millard. And then the wind raged round. That is Solo Sailing Excursion from Sweet Bejesus, the official band of Sports and More, the podcast. You can find their debut album, Policeman's Creek, on Apple Music. A big thanks to Kevin Dabbs and Christian Gutzis uh, for allowing us to use their wonderful music. And so much thanks to Kelly Rudy. You know what I'm most... um, excited about from that interview aside from the wonderful stories that he told particularly that story about the 1993 stanley cup final and playoffs i don't know in, in that season i don't know if a lot of people knew um you know that he had some uh, you know mental health and confidence issues and um, people know that uh, you know people may know that his family and his daughter uh you know uh, spoke out publicly about uh, her mental health issues but maybe they didn't know about the 93 so that was really cool but it, the, the coolest thing is that Kelly is exactly what he seems really awesome and really nice. It is. So I used to listen to 
him on with Reed Wilkins. When I would drive to TSN 1260 for the night show, I'd you know be driving and I'd listen to Reed on the way, and he would have Kelly on sometimes. And Kelly was always so gracious and so nice. And I always thought, I wonder if he's that way because sometimes people aren't. Uh, it's great when they are. Gene Principe, perfect example. Um, such a great guy in person, on the air, wherever. And Kelly Rudy, everybody I've talked to says the same thing. And I just uh, I just experienced the same thing. So what an awesome, awesome guy and a great interview. And I, I appreciate it because he squeezed me in uh, in time with his grandchildren. So I really, really do uh, appreciate that from uh, from Kelly. And I hope to uh, get him back at some point. I love the word association. So time now for the ultimate franchise fantasy sports poll question. Which team has the best chance at an upset in the play-in round? So this is the best of five series uh, that will be happening while the round-robin series uh, to, uh, I guess, uh, get seeding will be going on. So you got the Blackhawks over the Oilers. you got the Coyotes over the Predators, the Canadians over the Penguins, the Rangers over the Hurricanes. I just took the uh, the two highest seeds in each conference to to make it easy. And right now the Rangers... Uh, are picked to be the biggest upset, uh, or the best chance, rather, as an upset, 47.4%. Coyotes over Predators, uh, Canadians over Penguins at 9%, Blackhawks over Oilers at 14.1%. I I would have actually bet the Canadians because of Carey Price. I, I know they wanted to stretch it out, but you're telling me Carey Price can't get hot for five games or four games? I think Carey Price and the pet and the Canadians for me, have the best chance at an upset in the play-in round. Have your vote if it's different from me, at Duck Millard on Twitter, uh, or you can let me know on there as well. And you can get more details on what's going on with Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports at www.uffsports.com. It is the coolest thing going when it comes to fantasy. That'll wrap things up for me on this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you did, please subscribe. If you did enjoy, rather, please subscribe and uh, leave us a review. Really helps us uh, to know what we're doing, and uh, uh, certainly uh, we appreciate the kind reviews that you have left. Uh, If there's something that you don't like and you can leave it constructively, I'd love to hear from that as well. Always trying to improve the show. And if you would like to be a part of the program as an advertiser, please email me sportsandmorepod at gmail.com. By the way, happy birthday to a good friend of mine. This is a serious message. Peace and love. Peace and love. Happy birthday to Jeffrey Joseph Glenn Maga, who grew up uh, with me in Brandon, Manitoba, and uh, now lives here in Edmonton, uh, 45th birthday. So we're going to we're gonna do a drive-by to, to cheer him up, and uh, he can watch from the window and stuff. <laughs> uh, but no one else here in this. Happy birthday to my good buddy, uh, Jeff Maga. You warriors are good. Real good. The best. Yeah, he, he's, he's pretty good, man. Uh, I don't know many people uh, that have been able to score a goal um, with a Kleenex out of their nose. That that actually happened uh, uh, in a in a high school hockey game with us. It's like remember the scene Bob and Doug with the bullets in their nose and they uh, they uh, <laughs> sneeze them out. But yeah, so happy birthday to Jeff. We'll uh, we'll probably try to do a little of this tonight. Blades of Steel, face off. 
Play a little bit of that as well, and uh, finish him. Maybe a little Mike Tyson's punch out. All right, that's gonna wrap things up for us. Enough of me playing with the buttons. Big thanks to Kelly Rudy for joining us on the program. I went a little off the rails here at the end of the show, but what can you do? Uh, great stories from Kelly. Uh, you'll be watching him on Hockey Night in Canada when things ramp up uh, again. All right, uh, have yourselves a great weekend. Here is uh, one more uh, from Sweet Bejesus. This is, I think, as we play you out. Playtime is over. say